Chapter Two of Garibaldi and the Making of Italy by George Macaulay Trevelyan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Enthusiasm in North Italy, the expeditions in aid of Garibaldi, Mazzini, Bertani, and Cavour, O giornate del nostro riscato, O dolente per sempre colui, che del lunge del labro de altrui como un uomo straniero leudra che un suoi figlie nerandoli un giorno dove dir sosperando io non cera che la santa vitrice bandiera saluta che di non avra alessandro manzoni o days of our country's roaming unhappy for ever shall he be who shall like a stranger hear of it from afar from the lips of others who when he tells the tale to his children on a time must say sign i was not there who shall not have hailed on that day of days our holy conquering banner a new nation cannot be made solely by the skill of a great statesman playing on the mutual jealousies of foreign powers the making of nations requires the self-sacrifice of thousands of obscure men and women who care more for the idea of their country than for their own comfort or interest their own lives or the lives of those whom they love cavour with the help of england's attitude of non-intervention could at best only keep the ring while the revolutionaries struck down the neapolitan kingdom it remained to be seen whether the volunteers would go out in sufficient numbers to enable garibaldi to defeat the one hundred thousand bourbon troops who even after the fall of palermo refused to embrace the national cause the italian revolution had produced martyrs by the hundred could it now produce effective soldiers by the thousand the active patriots came from among all classes of the town population and from the leaders of the rural districts but the common peasantry of the north though most of them had now been converted to the national cause did not cross the sea to join garibaldi a severe strain was therefore put on the cities of north italy not at that date as wealthy as they have since become to supply at a few weeks notice out of the civilian population a complete army of volunteers the strain was more severe because so large a portion of the patriotic youth of the peninsula had already enlisted in the regular army of piedmont which so long as garibaldi was on the warpath was urgently required for home defence against a possible attack from austria yet within three months of the capture of palermo more than twenty thousand volunteers were shipped off south from genoa and leghorn the great majority of these northerners proved in the battle of the volturno that they could fight bravely and it is reasonable to suppose that nine-tenths of them went to war mainly from patriotic motives for there was no compulsion to enlist except public opinion no reward except mental satisfaction the pay offered was insufficient to supply their daily needs on a campaign where the plunder even of food was punished by death and where the improvised commissariat was always insufficient and often non-existent when garibaldi at palermo heard complaints of the irregularity of the pay he said to bandy what do you want with pay when a patriot has eaten his bowl of soup and when the affairs of the country are going well what more can any one want 
however he agreed to fix a scale and thenceforward officers received two francs a day and privates one franc or less the intendant-general calculated two francs per man as the average for pay and maintenance combined including both officers and privates in the estimate neither was there any prospect that at the end of the war the spoils would be divided among the actual victors for the south was to be liberated not conquered and furthermore the garibaldini well knew that they were fighting to win a kingdom for a royal government suspicious of them if not of their leader and fully equipped with place hunters of its own financially far more was given up than was gained by the garibaldino though exceptions could be named physically the campaign was no holiday in the mountains of sicily and calabria these town-bred youths of an unathletic community were exposed to the utmost hardships of hunger and thirst heat cold and rain and to the thousand petty miseries of campaigning in a half-barbarous country all of which as privileges of a patriot's life the old south american guerrilla expected his followers to enjoy as much as he did himself all this they endured and the tortures of wounds treated in ill-provided field hospitals with an uncomplaining courage which aroused the wonder of their british companions in arms the difficulty of raising at a moment's notice a purely volunteer army and of leading it to victory over regular troops is one on which modern military authorities lay ever-increasing stress in the light of these doctrines it will be seen that the improvised campaign narrated in this volume even when full allowance has been made for the inferior quality of the bourbon troops remains a remarkable feat it proves that fine elements of character were widely spread in the cities and market towns of north italy and were brought out and fused together by the patriotic ardour of that year when the best men of a race too intermittent in its activities and too uncertain in its emotions were wrought up to six months of steady heroism by the appeal of the great simple passions of liberty and country the work of raising and equipping these twenty thousand volunteers was carried out equally by the covarian and by more advanced parties their rivalry for the affections of the people and their quarrel for the right to direct the revolution had the effect of stirring each side to greater activity on garibaldi's behalf since the friends of mazzini and of cavour could not have sat side by side in one office there were three or more separate organizations engaged in the work first there was bertani's central committee in aid of garibaldi seated at genoa conducted in the interest of the advanced groups secondly the more moderate national society seated at turin of which cavour's agent la farina was now president in place of garibaldi resigned thirdly the million rifles fund with its armory at milan founded by garibaldi but conducted from first to last under the control of the government the million rifles fund did not like bertani's committee and the national society actually enlist and equip men but it supplied the national society with a great part of its arms and money and was itself secretly supplied to this end with large sums from the royal treasury which in this roundabout manner helped to finance garibaldi's operations in june and july 
one or both of the rival organizations cavour's national society and bertani's committee had local branches and agents collecting money and enlisting men in every chief town of free italy from turin to rimini from brescia to leghorn in the enslaved provinces there was more secrecy but scarcely less activity the conspirators of the papal states were in constant correspondence with mazzini and bertoni who urged them not to send their young men to sicily but to hold them in readiness for a rising which bertani pledged himself to assist with an invasion of volunteers from the north but from austrian venetia the liberation of which was not immediately contemplated several thousands of young men escaped over the lombard frontier by help of a committee that sat for the purpose at milan and sent them on by way of genoa to join garibaldi an english engineer named denton who was travelling on business through north italy that summer described the excitement he found in every town and village the patriotic newspapers read aloud at the street corner to satisfy a rapacity for news astonishing to an englishman garibaldi's name overheard every moment garibaldi's photograph seen in every size and shape from the shirt stud to the big poster on the town's walls the volunteers openly departing by the light of day in their red shirts and capes when mr denton crossed into austrian venetia he found the flame burning not the less intensely for being forced to smoulder he was able to see below the surface because every patriot thought it safe to open his heart to him when no stranger was by on no other security than the fact that he was an englishman one venetian merchant leaving his home because the austrian spies and police had at length rendered his life unbearable said to him that is my nephew and he is going to join the ranks of the future liberator of venetia he will make the fifth nephew i have serving garibaldi and out of sixteen young men i had in my counting-house ten have left me for sicily so it will be he said throughout venetia there will not be a young man of spirit left at home no class and no party and no district in north italy was behindhand in the offering of lives or of money rich and poor sent their private offerings from all over the country in sums which to our english standards are not immense but which represented the widow's might in many straitened italian households the cavourian principal bodies of great towns like milan voted large sums out of rates to the million rifles fund cremona alone a town well below thirty thousand inhabitants sent nearly a thousand volunteers and gave over one hundred and thirty thousand lira partly by subscription partly by loan which the municipality raised in order to aid garibaldi's expedition but bergamo brescia and pavia were the chief garibaldian cities next to genoa herself in pavia the cairoli exercised a supreme influence based upon nothing more material than the respect of their fellow-citizens for their integrity and their leadership in patriotic endeavor the father carlo cairoli professor of surgery had been made podesta of his native city in eighteen forty eight and had died soon after its reoccupation by the austrians leaving his five boys to the influence of his widow adelaide 
the mother of Cairoli had first lost Ernesto at Garibaldi's Battle of Barisi in 1859. In 1860, Benedetto and Enrico had gone with a thousand and were both lying wounded in Palermo, when Luigi, aged 22, threw up his commission in the regular army and followed them to Sicily. In September, he died of typhus, the result of the hardships of the march through Calabria. During the days when he was contracting his fatal illness, he wrote a long and cheerful letter to his mother and to his betrothed from the remote Calabrian village Spizzano Albanese. Mana, so the letter ended, I must tell you one thing which I have tried to be silent about, so as not to alarm your modesty, but which I can no longer leave untold. Yesterday evening my hosts asked me my name. You should have seen the effect which it had on them to hear that I was a Cairoli, or rather a son of the Carioli mother of Pavia, and this is not the first time it has happened to me. Garibaldi's proclamation to the women of Sicily, in which Adelaide's patriotic sacrifices were held up for their imitation, was greedily read in all Sicily and the Neapolitan continent, and so your name is already venerated by every good Italian of the South. Goodbye, Mama. Goodbye, Adriana. Luigi died a fortnight after writing this letter but Benedetto and Enrico recovered of their wounds. Seven years later, Enrico and Giovanni, the youngest of the five, received their death wounds from the papal troops at Villa Glory, while attempting at the head of a small band of men to force their way into Rome. Benedetto, the eldest, and the mother Adelaide alone survived the wars of liberation, the story of the Cairoli, all bound together by the ties of the strongest affection, all devoted wholly to their country's cause, all free from any taint of self-interest, of bombast, or of violence, was revered by Garibaldi and his contemporaries, and has become traditional with prosperity as the most perfect example of that family life which fostered the purest qualities of the Italian risorgimento. The papers of Bertani's Central Committee in aid of Garibaldi have been preserved. The historian can turn over voluminous masses of accounts, bills, purchases of steamers, lists of arms, uniforms, and stores acquired and dispatched, besides many documents more poignantly human. There are hundreds of letters for May, June, and July offering service or rather imploring to be allowed to serve under Garibaldi. In many cases the writer offers to throw up for life some well-paid civil or military post under government, the Italian idea of bliss, in order to be able to serve Garibaldi for six months. Frequently the aspirant states his age to be seventeen, apparently as the ideal age for a soldier. Sometimes the letter speaks for a group of persons preparing to come. Sometimes it serves to introduce a would-be volunteer who brings it by hand. We can imagine Bertani, his emaciated body propped up on the pillows of his sickbed, working night and day with the light of fever, almost of madness in his eyes. His hand shakes as he tears open one after another of these letters, and dashes off a line of answer to each in an almost undecipherable scrawl. Racked by an incessant cough, unable to speak articulately, unable to swallow his food, 
he had not in the middle of june the strength to leave or return to bed except by his friend's help when they told him he would die if he continued to work he replied what does it matter to their surprise he recovered as the summer drew on the misery of some who met with bertani's point-blank refusal to accept them as volunteers is depicted in their pious second appeals refusing to be denied meanwhile genoa was crammed full of volunteers who had been duly forwarded by their local committees or who had paid for their own journey thither on the chance of getting a passage to sicily all these complained bitterly if they were not shipped south by the very next steamer one important group of letters proves that bertani faithfully carried out garibaldi's instructions that officers of the regular army should be restrained from sending in their papers and men from deserting the ranks in order to join him garibaldi when he sailed for sicily had left behind him a proclamation exhorting italian soldiers to remain at their posts and bertani as we find had a formula ready drawn out to the same effect copies of which were stacked in his office when as often happened he received an application from some officer in the royal army desirous of joining garibaldi it was his custom to sign a copy of this formula and send it off to stop him he made some exceptions but this was his usual policy in spite of it many royal officers sergeants and corporals appeared in sicily not a few having been sent out by the cavourian agencies some had the tacit consent of victor emmanuel or of the military authorities who knew that garibaldi stood in need of drill-masters but others risked and in many cases lost their careers without such a stiffening of regulars it is doubtful whether the volunteers could have conquered but if garibaldi and bertani had not done their best to keep the movement within limits the discipline and numbers of the royal army might have been dangerously weakened while mazzini was lying hidden in genoa secretly exerting through bertani and others an important influence on events the great exile who in the thirties and forties had raised the italian movement into a religion by which thousands lived and died had since eighteen forty eight remained behind in his old position while the national cause to which he had given the first vital impulse rallied under other leaders and moved forward to final victory he was out of touch with the new age even this year eighteen sixty which saw italy united in fulfilment of his dream dreamt thirty years ago seemed to him merely another chapter of national shame and weakness since the sacrifice of personal happiness was the soul of mancini's teaching and character there is artistic fitness in his lifelong disappointment and his old age though sad is far above our pity he would have been wiser as a statesman but less great as a prophet if he had reconciled himself to the monarchy and settled down to die content in the country which he had made a nation but as he wrote to bertani at this time after i have helped to make italy one under the king i shall go back to london and write to tell the italians that they are idiots he clung to his republicanism to his hatred for cavour's methods and of royal officialdom politically he erred but spiritually he thus found a means of telling himself the truth 
that the italians of the new monarchy were not the regenerated mankind whose immediate advent he had prophesied with shelley-like ardor in the great days of his youth i shall find no more joy in italy he wrote i shall have none even if to-morrow the unity were to be proclaimed from rome the country with its contempt for all ideals has killed the soul within me if he deceived himself it was never to gain soul's ease if it was delusion in him to believe that by calling their state a republic his countrymen could materially increase their own chance of being great and good yet there was spartan courage in his acknowledgment of the fact that the third italy was not the kingdom of god which he had set out to establish on earth he saw the kingdom of italy established instead and it pleased him not but if the reformation of human nature had failed the making of italy was a sufficiently remarkable feat as carlyle was driven to confess for all his scorn of mancini's doctrines it showed that the pre-scientific idealists of whom mancini and garibaldi were the survivors from an earlier age had a power over the springs of human action which the politics of materialism may despise or explain but can never imitate at the beginning of may mazzini had left london for genoa he came out intending to sail with garibaldi and the thousand but finding that they had left genoa two or three days before his arrival he determined not to follow i am tired he wrote of being misunderstood if i was to go to sicily now everyone would say that i had gone to undermine garibaldi or god knows what besides as far as sicily is concerned it would be too late and for what we intend to try on the mainland i cannot hope to change garibaldi who loves me not mazzini's presence in his native city was a secret kept by a few friends he had to escape detection by the police for cavour would have been glad to deport or imprison him during the crisis he strolled about often by night and sometimes even by day through the deep narrow alleys of old genoa the scenes of his childhood and of his brooding student youth he had no disguise beyond a shaven chin and a low felt hat pulled well over his tell-tale forehead and eyes thus attired he amused himself by stopping cavour's spies and asking them to lend him a light for his cigar or to tell him the way up to some familiar street by day he wrote notes to bertani by night he came to visit his sick-bed it was a delicate situation for bertani now being garibaldi's agent wondered how far he ought in that capacity to connect himself again with his old master his evident hesitation grieved mazzini who was already suffering from a political difference with aurelio safi his fellow exile in england once his fellow triumvir of the roman republic safi dearly as he loved mazzini did not feel justified in entrusting to him the expenditure of the money raised for garibaldi's expedition in great britain bertani however in spite of occasional misgivings fell once more under the spell of l'amico the friend as mazzini was called by the whole subterranean world of italian conspiracy indeed from the friend's first arrival in genoa in early may bertani entered with him into the great plan for invading the papal states 
it was the intention of bertani's committee and aid to garibaldi to send the volunteers whom they enlisted for his service not to join him at once in sicily but to meet him at naples going by the land route and liberating umbria and the marches from the pope on their way south the city and district of rome being garrisoned by french troops was to be avoided for the present but it was hoped that when garibaldi from the south and medici from the north had met in triumph at naples the enthusiasm for unity would overcome all obstacles and they would be able before the year was out to proclaim victor emmanuel king of italy from the capital this plan had not been entirely foreign to garibaldi's own intentions when he sailed for sicily with the thousand he had then assigned to medici the task of leading the next expedition instructing him to send reinforcements both to sicily and also to the papal marches and umbria where a rising was said garibaldi about to take place whether medici in person was to go with the reinforcements to sicily or with the invaders of the pope's territories was left undecided in garibaldi's letter such were the vague instructions which he left behind obviously requiring a good deal of interpretation bertani under the influence of mazzini decided to divert practically the whole of the reinforcements to the papal states neither of them military men they were both under the delusion that garibaldi could overrun sicily and cross the straits with his thousand alone aided by the islanders sicily is safe said mazzini let us think of the rest you do not know the genius of garibaldi and the indomitable determination of the sicilians to be rid of bourbon rule henceforth we must help sicily from central italy by way of the abruzzi garibaldi has within him a good body of officers who would suffice to drill and lead the sicilians to the centre every one umbria and the marches liberated we will reach garibaldi across the abruzzi the supposition that garibaldi could have advanced from palermo without strong reinforcements from north italy was perhaps the crudest of mistakes involved in this scheme and was moreover the only point where the scheme deviated from garibaldi's own instructions but it may be further doubted whether a few thousand volunteers under a chief other than garibaldi himself would have sufficed to liberate umbria and the marches mazzini told bertani that all would go well because the papal troops would join the liberators in the hour of battle but the pope's fighting regiments his newly levied austrian irish and french crusaders were about as likely to join the red shirts as the red shirts were to join them these papal troops were up a gallant through hopeless fight against the superior force of the piedmontese regular army in september and there is no reason to think that they would not have opposed a very serious resistance to medici's scanty volunteers in june even if victorious in the field how could an army of irregulars without siege guns take ancona but if the plan to liberate the marches and join garibaldi at naples was to succeed at all it must succeed completely and at once for not only the papal army but the foreign powers had to be considered austria who until eighteen fifty nine had herself garrisoned the marches for the pope and since the beginning of eighteen sixty 
been pouring into the port of ancona thousands of austrian subjects to be enlisted in the papal army would austria then have watched unmoved the capture of these districts by revolutionary bands and as to france even if medici had left rome untouched would napoleon have followed the red shirts to do to umbria in june what he allowed cavour to do in september on may seventh the day after garibaldi's departure medici still regarded the invasion of the papal states as his own probable destiny but when all these grave considerations the weakness of garibaldi's military position in sicily the strength of the new papal army and the old papal fortresses and the probable action of austria and france were laid before his cool judgment by cavour's agents la farina amari and melicini he was not long in deciding for sicily as early as may twelfth even before the news of garibaldi's landing at marsala had arrived medici had been won round to cavour and common sense and had declared that he would take his expedition by sea to join garibaldi the quarrel that divided mazzini and bertani's committee on the one side from cavour medici and the national society on the other arose on this question of destination of the volunteers not on the question of republic or monarchy on the latter point even mazzini had for the time being surrendered but on the former the quarrel was in full vigour even before the fall of palermo it first arose on the question whether medici should go to sicily or to the papal states and it was revived in the same form over the departure of every large consignment of volunteers that left genoa in june july and august if bertani's plan of invading the papal states had been carried out garibaldi would have been left locked up at palermo for want of men and italy would probably have met with a great disaster in the centre and yet bertani's policy though it would have been fatal if put into practice proved invaluable as a stimulus to cavour the constant threat of the advanced party to send their own men into the papal states coupled with garibaldi's success in the south finally drove cavour to invade the papal states himself when the time was ripe mazzini and bertani wrong in detail were right in their own two general principles first that the pope and the king of naples ought to be attacked this year while the revolutionary enthusiasm created by garibaldi's success was at its height and secondly that they ought to be attacked from both north and south at once at present cavour was content to help garibaldi having won over medici to abandon the papal states and go directly to sicily in bertani's despite the government was bound to fit him out and send him with all possible speed medici's expedition and the expedition of cosentz a few weeks later were armed clothed and shipped at the expense of the Coverian national society and the million rifles fund these organizations had no offices in genoa the port of departure it was necessary for medici and cosentz to set up there a military office of their own as they did not wish to be dependent on bertani's committee dr bertani did however fit out the ambulance for their expeditions and both of them when they respectively sailed parted from him on speaking terms 
the bertani committee also supplied the military office of medici and cosenz with a good many of its best recruits in addition to the men whom the Cavourians raised for themselves in milan and elsewhere but the steamers the arms and the money for the expeditions of june and july came almost entirely from the Cavourian agencies it was only in august that bertani and his friends sent out the great expeditions which they themselves had paid for and equipped in june and july hundreds of thousands of lira were secretly supplied by the king's government to purchase the steamers and equip the men for medici and cosenz over six thousand firearms were obtained for them by cavour from the armory of the million rifles fund at milan which had been closed to garibaldi himself a month before by the inconvenient scruples of massimo de Zeo, the governor of the city cavour now eased de Zeo's conscience by purchasing the weapons with the alleged intention of arming the national guard and then sent them to medici at genoa in the course of the summer de Zeo gradually discovered that he was being fooled when in obedience to the ostensible orders of government he tried to put difficulties in the way of recruiting volunteers in milan he found that all the neighboring governors gave him the cold shoulder finally a private letter from a highly placed official to one of de Zeo's subordinates served to open the governor's eyes it seems said the letter that at milan you were not much in touch with the real intentions of the government finally de Zeo retired alleging the ground of ill health to the end of his life he would never allow that cavour's underhand methods had been right End of chapter two